Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people doing cool stuff in e-com and tech. I'm your host, Tim. I'm coming to you from Dublin and not in my normal studio setup, so the audio quality is as good as it's going to get from a quick Amazon order. However, this is season one of 2021 and features an eclectic mix of creative thinkers and doers. Over six episodes, my guests will share their stories, what they've learned, and their predictions for the worlds of digital, e-com, and brand strategy. In this episode, I chat to Sam Jones, co-founder and CEO of Ooh, that's five O's, a new live commerce app connecting consumers with real people, real products, and real opinions. We touch on Sam's unique journey, the reincarnation of live shopping, building a global team, and selling Manchester United merch when you're a Liverpool fan. Before we get into it, a quick word from my sponsor, Clavio. That's Clay V-O, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started today for free by visiting clavio.com slash your basket is empty. That's clayvo.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Sam, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? I am in a underground bunker in, um, in Oxford. We, we have an office in, right in the center of Oxford. It's, a, it's, a, it's an organization called OSI, which is uh, Oxford Science and Innovation, which is a joint venture between the university and private money. And we have an office here, so it's uh, it's great. I live about uh, 300 yards away, so I walk to work. We have a, a, a really good team here. Then we have a team in Shanghai. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of hidden away from the hecticness of London, but, you know, within reach of most most parts of the UK. So it seems to work well. So I'm sat within our office, which is in the basement of a really cool building. Almost feels like you're in like a lab. Uh, but, yeah, very, very cool space. Very interesting. So I want to do a bit of a rewind uh, before we get into ooh. Um, and yeah. I want to learn a little bit more about what you were up to before it. So yeah, just give me a sort of brief overview of your journey kind of before you started ooh. No problem. So yeah, I don't want to give you my life story, but I, I do think there's a lot of interesting things that happened along the way, which kind of led me to, to where we are today. So grew up in the UK when I was 10 years old, moved from the Lake District to Hong Kong which is in like the, the late 80s. So lived in Hong Kong for five years, you know, always very, very interested in kind of Hong Kong and Chinese culture. And obviously when you're in Hong Kong, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, people just shifting product around. So was, I always kind of had that in my blood. Then when I was 14 years old, moved back from Hong Kong to, to Salford, you know, Manchester, which is pretty interesting culture shock. And uh, went to, you know, went to school there, 14, it was in Manchester for like 10 years. Um, studied at Salford University Business Studies. Um, in my third of four years, got a placement at Marks and Spencer's head office, um, which was on Baker Street, which was a great placement to get. And um, I got placed in the direct mail department, which was a huge new initiative for Marks and Spencer. This is 1998. So I was I was just randomly thrown in this department where they were trying to you know build a catalog business. You know, and, you know, the internet was still relatively young and it was just for, for a year, I was there at the head office, watching them throw a load of money into, to drop shipping, basically, you know, that was the, um, the very early stages of that industry. 
so I, I did that. Then I went and did my f- final year at uni in Manchester. And I st- in that final year, I, I started my, my first company, which was selling artwork around the world. So I sort of took the what I learned at Marks and Spencer's and I it just so happened in that year, 1999, Manchester United won the treble um, in, in the football. And I commissioned three pieces of artwork by the Queen's artist, a guy called Terence Gilbert. He painted three oil paintings of three great goals by David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, and Solskjaer, the current manager, who all scored in three different tournaments. And uh, I converted these into 500 prints, and we sold them. Uh, from li- I was literally selling these from my bedroom, and I was doing a leaflet blast to every supporters club in the world and putting them on the windscreens of cars outside Old Trafford. And whilst I hate Manchester United as a Liverpool fan, this was a um, this this was my first business. And I was I never forget my, me and my dad used to parcel up these these framed pictures and we were sending them all over the world. You know, and I, I still remember the buzz of when the when you put all these leaflets out there and your phone rings for the first time, you know, and there's an order. So I did that for a few years. I, we could never repeat the peaks of uh of, of Manchester United winning the treble, you know, as I ventured into the art world, it, it, it sort of fizzled out, but um, that, that was a lucrative first project. And then um, I joined a company called Anderson Consulting, which, which is now known as Accenture. Um, was very fortunate to get into that company, which was a great, um, an amazing grounding of just how to do process. I was in technology consulting um, with a focus on comms and high tech and supply chain. I did that for just under three years in, in mainly in London, you know, with projects in and around um, Europe. Met my wife in that company. She was my boss on a, on a British telecom project. And then in 2004, I think it was, we moved to your homeland. We moved to Sydney, Australia. Um, and um, we just, we'd both grown up in Hong Kong. And we decided to, um, to go there. And I felt, I, I wanted to, I was desperate I found consulting was really interesting industry, but I was desperate to get into something more salesy, you know, as a kind of entrepreneur at heart. I, I, I wanted to be, be more involved with, you know, selling stuff and being in relationships with people in business. So um, I, randomly, I fell into a, a career in, in headhunting recruitment, like uh, talent spotting, and uh, met this great, great uh, firm in Sydney. And... Um, just fell into financial services headhunting and I did that in Australia for three years which took took me into um, placing a lot of people into Asia and I then got hired into a company in Singapore so we moved there in 2007 just when Singapore was really kind of taking a new direction and was there for two years and I ended up buying um, the company I went to join it was a it was a publicly listed company in the UK and um, they had a few challenges and the, the Asian operation became available to purchase. So I managed to find a way to, to do that as like a management buyout. Um, and yeah, I was, in, I was in Singapore for a few years, then Hong Kong, which is the kind of, um, which is kind of the center of the financial markets. Um, and I was, I, was, I was basically an equities headhunter for uh, nearly 10 years, like moving people from Deutsche Bank to JP Morgan to Goldman Sachs, mainly people in sales, trading or research. And um, the great thing about Hong Kong is you can you can kind of you can meet anyone in five minutes. You know, it's a really tiny city and it's the perfect place to to meet people. I used to do like eight meetings a day, you know, like from from breakfast meetings, lunches, dinners, um, you know, just just a, a very efficient way of meeting people. And I was always connecting people up 
and um, I, I built you know very visual um, graphics around um, different teams and banks. So, so one, if you meet eight people a day for like a year, never mind two years, five years, seven years, if you do that, you just build a, f- a phenomenal network. So, mm-hmm. in that time, I, I built. You know, I knew people that were like day one investors in Alibaba. I knew um, lots of Asian investors into Facebook, you know, lots of hedge fund guys. It was and um, I've still got a lot of those relationships today. You know, I kind of always did the relationship first and then, you know, place them in a job second. So that was a very lucrative time. Um, But I in 2012, I, I sort of. I felt like I'd I just placed the CEO of Asia for Deutsche Bank. And I remember feeling that if this is pretty much the top, um, you know, the fees were good, the, the people were the, but I wasn't fulfilled in my career. And I saw a lot of people coming in and out of Hong Kong, raising money and starting new tech ventures. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try that myself. I'd invested in a few that hadn't worked out. So I thought I'm going to try and build a company. So I actually, I actually, um, in 2000, I think it was 2013, I started a company to basically aggregate data from investment banks, um, pull it together and sell it back to them as an index. So I was, I was given the data from Credit Suisse to Nomura to UBS and all this sort of stuff. And I aggregated it and sold it back as an average. So, so banks could understand if they were paying above or below the average. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. And, and that, that sort of got me into a, the world of data visualization. Um, and, and I found that all these banks were very interested in diversity metrics, visualizing uh, compensation, and just also understanding, you know, so many HR departments didn't know how many people they had, which sounds ridiculous, but it's kind of true. So, um, so yeah, I, I, had a, I had a company that was basically helping organizations visualize themselves. And that took me sort of by accident into the sport world. And um, a lot of sports teams and the NBA wanted to visualize their workforce, so also their player stats, I should say. And um, it was it was staggering how um, sports data people are light years ahead of investment banking data people. Like it was just phenomenal. So I just fell into the sport world, and um, and because of the data that we had available, we started to toy around with um, fantasy sport, like. Um, um, using a mobile device when you watch a, a game of soccer or cricket, how, how can you how can you predict what's going to happen in the next few minutes using the data that we had available? Um, so so we went from kind of sports data visualization to gaming data visualization, and um, and I um, I built a, a sports gaming company called Baller B A L L R, which was which was basically a, a, a platform that allowed you to. Um, predict what was going to happen in a soccer game um, or a cricket game. And uh, so I did that for a few years. And then that is how I met some of the, the founders of, of Wish, which, uh, which kind of, that's the kind of moment I started getting to the, the e-commerce world. Mm-hmm. Although I'd been in the art world, you know, 20 years before, I'd been in the Marks and Spencer's e-commerce world. Um, three years ago, uh, I met some of the guys at Wish and, and they asked me to get involved with that company. So uh, that's 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 kind of up to there. So, yeah, Wish Wish was uh, 2017. Um, Wish was selling a few million products a day, um, based in San Francisco. I think at that time, seven or eight years old, and um, they they basically asked if I could get involved with their um, consumer marketing and partnerships. Um, and um, for me, 
going from my, my own companies where I've been running them to going to a you know someone else's company was a really scary thing and um but but as soon as I could see how successful they were and the the kind of um, transactions they were turning around it was a bit of a no-brainer really um so I I was based in the UK but going back and forth to um San Francisco a lot they also um um sponsored during that time the LA Lakers jersey so um I was in LA a lot managing that relationship which was a you know phenomenal platform for for kind of building relationships and and um getting credibility for the the wish brand but yeah i was i was with wish for um for, you know over over two years and uh yeah great great learnings and 12 months ago started my own my own company um with a with a co-founder which is uh which is video commerce which is kind of linking together many things that that i've been involved in but um yeah that kind of takes us up till till today we're kind of a year into it very interesting um ironic that the journey's kind of come full circle <laughs> now going off into uh, a slightly tangential world which is you know this new uh, idea of of um of live shopping we're going to get to that in a bit but i want to know a little bit more about ooh. so like what are you trying to achieve and, and where are you at you know you're kind of 12 months into it so um yeah what, what what's the state of play yeah i think i think i i often what got me so focused on on the on the video video shopping stuff i know in 2015 or 16 i was in hong kong and i was talking to somebody and they were they were telling me about the explosion of um video based applications in north asia you know china and korea in particular and there was they were talking to me about an app where it was basically people recording themselves in their bedrooms which, which sounds really sketchy, but it, it's, um, it, it's basically people like playing instruments or telling jokes or educating from their bedroom and recording themselves live. And um, they showed me this girl on, on, on a phone with a guitar just playing in her bedroom and all, and there was like 60,000 people in the room. And I said, ha, you know, what's in it for the girl? And she's like, oh, she just plays the guitar, 60,000 people watch and people just give tips. And I said, how much is she making? She like, oh, no, she'll make like a thousand pounds during this like 10 minute show. So I, when I saw that, that was like a, that was like a, a, a real pivot in my thinking about stuff. So the, there's, um, there's, there's video applications like Musical.ly. Um, and, I, and I knew the founders of Musical.ly in Shanghai. Um, and about four years ago, I started to spend a bit of time in their office. And Musical.ly did something really interesting with kind of lip syncing technology. Um, and they, they were kind of pivoting rapidly. Like they tried one business model, it didn't work. They tried another one, it didn't work. But Musical.ly basically was a platform where kids, mainly girls, could create these videos of themselves singing along to a popular track and then share it on social media. And Musical.ly just built up its own following. So I was watching that company probably four years ago and meeting some of their people. And, and it was very obvious at that point that video, in particular, live video but also short video um was going to be a big big thing and probably the first consumer movement in china that was going to go outside of china and musically even though it's a china company most people didn't realize but it, it it had a lot of success in 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 the west and that was that was about four years ago and that company ended up getting acquired by um 
ByteDance and becoming TikTok. Mm -hmm. So where I was watching that that company, and then I was also watching a few other um, companies, including Taobao Live, which is an Alibaba company selling live stuff. Um, and I was also watching a company called Kuaishao, which is a, a Tencent company. And all of these companies were basically pivoting away from just pure social media user-generated content and going in the direction of shopping. So almost like QVC, but actually the people in the show were, were real people. Mm -hmm. so, so basically because of the, the fact a smartphone can record and you don't need a, you know, a, a studio and a camera and a crew and a, and a microphone, you can do it all through your smartphone. Girl in the bedroom playing the guitar or the or the guy in the bedroom selling watches were, were all powered by the smartphone. So th this was like four years ago, and people say to me all the time, you know, do you think China's ahead on on technology? And of course, technology is a, a big spectrum, but in kind of consumer video based tech, China is is a hundred percent five years ahead. Because I, you know, because five years ago I, I saw stuff that's better than what we see now. So, um, so I was watching this stuff and, and I, this is like pre me being at wish. And I was thinking like, how do we build, do we build a sports community through video? Do we build a fan community where people can, instead of chatting about Liverpool or Man United on, on WhatsApp, maybe you could do it through short videos or live broadcasts. So I was thinking, I was really thinking this through and, um, then I went to wish and, you know, wish a real masters of selling low-cost unbranded product mainly from china selling it to the west you know for a very very low price and and low margin and so on and and i was i was thinking about the video thing there as well but it wasn't it just wasn't the right platform to do it and um and then it it's it's it started to just dawn on me that um what who should be um so um so yeah that that was kind of the the background and um I've done a bit of research into it. And from my understanding, you've kind of got three parties in the system. You've got the, the end customer, you've got a brand, and then you've got what you guys call the creator, right? And the thing that's kind of linking them all together is the, is the OO app. So uh, how does that model work? Can you just explain it to the listeners in a little bit more detail? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really simple. So but ba basically, th there are a few other platforms where other people there's like there's a there's a platform in the uk called agora there's a platform and i i don't know the people there but i think they've got a really good app and there's a there's a platform in new york called um super great and 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 that's basically beauty reviews um and i think some of these platforms and i, I don't know either of their businesses intimately but i think some of these platforms are using short video to review products and then when you review them, there's a button at the bottom where, you, where that pushes you out to Amazon so you can make the purchase or it pushes you out to Cult Beauty or this kind of thing. So, so we, we're, we're basically doing something similar, but it's slightly different. So we're basically saying, how do we give the, per, the, the makeup enthusiast or, and I'll talk to you about other categories in a minute, but let's just imagine you've got someone who's a makeup artist you know, they work, you know, five days a week, but in the evenings, they all they do is talk about beauty with their friends and, and so on. And they've always wanted to be a presenter, but they can't really break out of the circle that they have in their salon. Um, so so what that person needs is they need um, they need 
they, they already have a camera because they've got a phone. They've got a bedroom. They've got lighting. Anyone can buy a ring light for 30 pounds. So they're, they're fully set up. The problem is they don't have access to commodities. So the first thing we're trying to do is build a platform that links commodities. So, so you know, there's a, there's a great company from the late 1800s called Avon that still are around today. You can go and join Avon and pay them 40 or 50 pounds. They'll send you a box of goods and you can start selling it up and down your street. We wanted to give the, the creator in their bedroom access to 10,000 products. So they can go into our app. They can, um, they can choose five tanning products. We can send them to them. To, so they've got five tanning products in their bedroom and then they can make short video or live video about that product. So we, so the first party in the group is the creator. Um, the second party in the group is the seller. So we, we have a team in, in our company that is speaking to many, many brands, but we don't physically own any stock. We, we put all of that through um, uh, the seller on record in the UK, which is a, is a large logistics company. So we, um, they take the stock. So we have all the stock sat somewhere in a warehouse and um, we take some sample product, which we put in the hands of creators. They go and create content um, and they can um, record the content in our app. Um, they can make short video or live video. And then we make it very easy for them to share that content across, um, you know, Instagram, TikTok, you know, wherever they want to share it. So, so there's, um, there's three parties, essentially, there's the seller, there is the, um, and, and the seller at the moment is, is more of a kind of a whole wholesaler. Um, it could be the brand directly, but at the moment, we're just, you know, we're just dealing with kind of wholesalers or, or merchants. Um, and then there's the, the, the creator, the person kind of making the content. And then there's obviously the shopper. Um, what, what we're tr our kind of proposition to the shopper is we have got an app, which is um, number one, providing rapid browsing. So if, if, if you think about TikTok, why is TikTok so successful? I think firstly, it's rapid browsing. You know, it's like you can, you can slide through the videos, your little thumb moves like crazy, but you don't, you don't have to do much else. And secondly, it's intelligent browsing. So it knows the previous videos you've liked, you've shared, You've, you've watched seven times and it's learning literally as you swipe through with a re very sophisticated recommendation engine. So, so, so we're trying to build an app, which is really easy to browse, but it's also learning about your preferences and your price point and which creators you like and so on. It has an understanding of your persona. Um, so, so for the user who's shopping on our platform, we should be showing you lots of opinions from real people real creators and, and we say to the creators please anything we send you only make videos about the stuff you love don't don't bitch and whine about a product giving you a rash no one's really interested if, if you don't like the product put it in the bin don't, don't make a video about it um tell us about it if it's giving you a rash and we'll yeah, feed yeah, it back yeah. to yeah we'll, we'll feed it back to the brand but you know the idea of this is to share what's worked for you mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of the, the three parties in it. You touched on it before in terms of product verticals. And, and as you mentioned, the sort of, um, the, the beauty space has been in, in, a, in, a, in a first stage. And I believe you've added sneakers to the um, kind of product vertical. Are there uh, plans to expand that? And if so, what, what, what are the verticals you're going to be looking at? 
Yeah, so so we launched with Beauty. We we hired someone that was running Beauty at uh, TK Maxx, um, who and she was previously at QVC. So she came in phenomenal network of brands and um, just understanding of the beauty industry. And we chose Beauty because it's very demonstrable. Um, the returns are typically a lot lower than something like fashion. You know, it's like single digit returns. Um, and it's also it's also heavily kind of influencer based, you know. Um, so we, we chose that as the first category. We've got 100 brands now um, participating in what we're doing. And all of those go through one warehouse, which is in, in the middle of the UK. Um, as soon as we started, we, we noticed a few things. We, we, we noticed that the short videos, um, we basically invited like way over 100 people to, we ran a contest to say, you know, do you want to be a creator? Are you, uh, do you want to have a side hustle? You know, so we ran a lot of Facebook ads and we, we were overwhelmed with people applying. And we said to them, you know, make a video of something in your home that you love. And, you know, and, and, and if the video is like interesting, insightful, watchable, well-made, you know, good sound. If, if you touch those three or four things, you know, we'll bring you on as a creator. And what that means is if you become a creator on the platform, we send you free products. Mm -hmm. We pay you a commission on what sells, you know, this kind of thing. So in the, in the very early days, and by the way, I'm talking like six months ago, um, when we, um, when we, when we brought people on, we got all kinds of weird, you know, applicants and videos and so on, but, <laughs> but bet. within, yeah, but, but within those, you know, we had people drunk reviewing products and all, all stuff, but, but, but also we got some amazing, you know, really talented, authentic, honest reviews. Um, so we, we then started blasting people out with 10 products and they started to make short videos. So, our app started to look a little bit like TikTok, you know, lots of normal people reviewing yep. products and you could purchase at the bottom of the screen. So we, we launched that probably um, sort of October. It was, it was live or October, November. It was live with short videos. And then we brought in the feature of the live show. And um, we basically, uh, this was always the intention to have the live show, but we wanted to make sure the people running the live shows were the were the best of the creators we had and and when right. i say the best i mean the most relatable the, the ones that create the most engagement the most reliable you know this this kind of thing so we started to run multiple live shows a day and it was very very obvious to us you know even after a f few days of doing this that the live show is what generates the revenue like you you can have a thousand short videos and you could have two lives and 95% of the revenue would come from the two live shows. So it's, it's, um, and, and the data doesn't lie, you know, you can, and then day two, day three, day four, it's the same thing. So we, so we realized, um, we always thought the live show was the magic because there's a kind of scarcity value to the deal. There's, we, we have gamification in the live show where you can win products for lower than, you know, really crazy prices. And um, so, yeah, this is like end of last year. We, we were like, you know, I'm talking like two months ago. Uh, it was like, we, we got to go deep on the live show. So we, we started to sort of increase the recruitment for live hosts. And then we started to, um, and, and just sort of to pivot away, like there's a, there's a phenomenal company in China called PDD, which, you know, is um, I'm sure you know about, but is I think it's three or four years old. It's no more than four years old 
well over 100 billion, probably close to 200 billion valuation. I, I can't remember, not checked for a few weeks, but it's um, the whole premise of PDD is, you know, at a very high level, they, they, they tried to enter the e-commerce market in China three or four years ago. They just, they realized that the cost to acquire a customer was less than hundred dollars. Um, and they said, you know what, we're not, we're not going to pay that. We're, what we're going to do is give the community phenomenal deals if, if they grow the community for us. So as a, as a very basic example, they said an iPhone in China costs a thousand US dollars. So you can buy an iPhone on our platform for $900 because it would cost us a hundred dollars to find you anyway. Mm. Um, and then they said, but if you bring a friend to buy it, the iPhone will go even lower than that. Mm. So they basically took the equivalent of Facebook ad spend and they said, let's just take, remove this from the price and give the benefit to the customer if they share the offer available with the community. So you've got like the whole of second and third tier China cities all running around like crazy, trying to get their shoes for cheaper by telling 20 friends. And you see this kind of mechanic in HelloFresh, you know, where you can share a box. And if you share a box, you get a free box and so on. And we paid very, very close attention to what they were doing. And there's quite a few kind of growth mechanics in our app, which we're tinkering with. You know, we're, you know, these, these guys are masters of that now, but we're tinkering with some of these things. So in a live show, we would take the view of, it's okay, you know, if, if there's a perfume, which is usually a hundred pounds, maybe we can find a way of getting it for 70 pounds. And maybe our break even is, you know, just a little bit lower than that. Um, but, but maybe we can sell the perfume for 40 pounds just for a 30 minute show. Now, why would we do that? Well, we do it because like the, the, the cost to acquire these customers is, is, is going to, we're going to pay that somewhere else, you know, somewhere else anyway. So if you can create like a, a marketing event where you're just creating a lot of noise and people are talking about it and you're giving away coupons where they can get tremendous value, you know, I think it's a great way of pulling people in. Um, and, you know, obviously these type of promotions have run for years just in different formats. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, so just to kind of answer your question, the live show for, for us right now is, a, is, is pretty much what the business is becoming. And we, we started to think, you know, this this format is repeatable. So so we have the app, which is called Ooh, which is five O's, um, just a kind of simple, fun name, which, you know, hopefully people won't forget. And within that, we're building a number of channels. So anything that's beauty related is becoming something we call cosmetics.tv. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a channel of its own in the app. And in in a couple of weeks, we launched sneaker.tv. So sneaker.tv is basically an assembly of sneakerheads um, who can come together and review shoes. And again, we provide the commodity. We provide all the shoes. You know, we give access to sellers that have got a lot of Air Jordans or, you know, whatever it might be. And then um, we also launch handbags.tv and we launch shoes.tv. So handbags.tv is going to be people selling from Paris Louis Vuitton, Chanel, you know, all, all different types of handbags, um, shoes. We've got a number of shoe sellers coming in. So this is the, and we also have perfume.tv, you know, so the whole fragrance market. So, so we, we wanted to give each of these channels an identity, but, you know, creators might be specialists in sneakers or they could be someone who sort of surfs across three or four categories. And 
as the next sort of six months unfold, we're going to go into electronics.tv, something we own. And then we have jewelry.tv, toys.tv, drinks.tv, which will be kind of wine and whiskey and so on. Mm. So any, anywhere where we see a culture and, you know, anything that's, you know, I think sneakers, there is a very much a culture, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's people, people are happy to sit and talk about an asses shoe and the history of that company. They're happy to talk about it. And if there's a culture, there's a conversation. And if there's a conversation, it's probably best to have live where you can interact. You can ask questions. You can do split screens. You know, I think if you're going to sell spandex or tampons, go to Amazon. It's like they're going to kill everyone on experience. But if it's like, if it's something like sneakers or gadgets or toys or, you know, um, a certain type of Shiraz or a, a whiskey, you know, it's probably there's like a very loyal following. And that is almost like an Achilles heel for them. And they're happy to sit and watch a show about that. So, so yeah, the, you know, like, like a lot of these things do, the, the whole model has evolved and we're trying to build a, a network of channels where everything you see is shoppable and, and, and the people that are making the show, the stars, if you like, are just real people. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, it is a bit different to when we started, but um, I, think, I think that's always kind of inevitable. Um, yeah, I mean, it shows a great, great, great pace of innovation and understanding and, and using the data to sort of point you in the right direction and then kind of like going for it. I think that community-based product thing is very interesting, right? Like, there, yeah, there's something very interesting in those, like sneakers, like you said, there's a there's a huge mm -hmm. underground culture, big community element to it. Wines, right? Like <laughs> wine club. I suppose anything that where you can see the word club attached to it in either a traditional form or a new form is, is something that could be, you know, applied in this sense. I'm keen to learn a little bit more about um, the wider team. So you mentioned that you, you, you'd taken someone on from TK Maxx. I, I'm keen to understand what does the rest of the team look like? Are you like a heavy tech team or are you heavy on the kind of more um, partnerships kind of side or, or is it both? Um, yeah, good question. We've got 21 full-time people in Shanghai. We have a, what's called a wholly owned, wholly owned or it's wholly foreign owned entity, Woofy in, in, in China. So we're a UK company. We, we own a China company. And we've got 21 of our own team in, in Shanghai. We've had them pretty much all the year. Um, and I have a co-founder, um, Eric. Um, Eric was with Huawei. He was one of the founding members of the um, Musical.ly team as an engineer. So he took that from zero to, I think it was 10 million daily active users at Musical.ly. And then he joined ByteDance through the acquisition. He was then on TikTok. And the sister of TikTok in China is called Daoyin. Um, which is basically the TikTok surface in China. So he worked in all of those businesses. And um, Eric and I got together and, you know, we were, we were really obsessed with this idea of normal people having access to commodities and selling. So um, Eric is my co-founder. He, he's very much, a, you know, an engineer. Um, we have a meeting of minds in terms of the vision, but he's the guy who, you know, I, I've never written code. I, I've, I've always designed technology and I know what the end, you know, the, the desired outcome is, you know, and I, and I just try and move heaven and earth to, to get there. And what I've, what I've learned along the way is you can have outsourced technology partners and, and that allows you a certain amount of speed and flexibility, but it's, it's, it's always, it, it, you always, 
get to a point where you you can't go beyond a certain limit. So this time around, I I I, I wanted to really own the tech, and mm. um, and that was that was a, a real breakthrough for me personally. You know, having done a number of these companies, I've always had I've always had tech teams, but this was like putting a tech leader as a peer, you know, and, and doing very much doing it together. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got 21 people in in um, in Shanghai, which is product engine, basically the whole R and D. You know, we, we don't intend to enter the China market at, at this stage. You know, it's just too competitive, um, and the culture is different. But we want to build this type of technology from China because they're the best at it. Um, so so that team is there, and, and in Chinese culture, especially for the big, you know, they call it BAT. Um, which is um, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, and obviously ByteDance now is a big one. But be it, if, if you look at the best people from BAT, those three great companies, the culture is very much like 996, they call it. So, so you'll often hear people say, he's BAT 996 or she's BAT 996. That means they've come from BAT, one of those top companies, which are really the best talent. And they work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. <laughs> and, I, and I know that our guys, you know, I, they all work Saturdays. They, they're often there at 11 at night because um, I'm on WeChat with these guys nonstop yeah. and Slack and so on. So, um, so, yeah, we've got a team there. And I would, I would put these, got, these guys against anyone on the planet. You know, they're just phenomenal minds, work ethic. Um, Shanghai's not cheap. You know, it's, it's, um, I think people have an, an idea that China's where you go for cheap products. It's actually the, the most advanced tech market in the world now, I think. And uh, so we have that there. Then we have 14 people in the UK, which is a mixture of um, kind of commercial uh, commercial people. So we've got someone that faces off to the brands, mm -hmm. that pushes mm -hmm. them into our kind of trading operation. She's, she's supported by several people. We have a training and community team, which is obviously the creators, how do we find the creators? How do we train them? How do we support them? Um, and then we have like a production team. So we have a studio in Oxford. We've just built a shop in London near Oxford street, just in Soho, which is an actual real shop um, right in the middle of right near Chinatown in Soho, where we're making it that influencers can literally drop in and they can film content. And there's like going to be thousands of samples in there. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 kind of China for the tech and here for the business and the recording. You know, it's it's, uh, and then we, you know, like like a lot of people were then supported by, you know, different different kind of agencies or um, you know, people I've met along the way that can turn around a great slide deck or they can help you with user acquisition or whatever. You know, we've got a number of people in the ecosystem that that support us. I'm keen to um, sort of start drawing the conversation to a close and, and it's been so fascinating because I think we've gone full circle in terms of your journey and then learning about um, what you're up to now but I'm keen to go back to the start a little bit and just learn a couple of things one what what do you think have some been the best decisions you've made and maybe not and then like what advice would you have given to your younger self um I, th I think I think one thing that I realized, you know, quite early was there's no such a thing as a wasted phone call or meeting or, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people who come out of a meeting and they sort of say to themselves, 
God, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? The guy, that guy doesn't want to move jobs or that guy doesn't want to do a deal or that guy, he's not going to use us for his next whatever. And, and I always, I've always had a very optimistic view on wasted meetings, wasted phone calls, failed businesses. I've all, I've always like been at peace with it, you know? And, um, I think now, especially looking backward, um, you know, I, I, I can see that that all sort of holds true. So sometimes I remember someone, you know, even how I met you, you know, was through meeting several other people and, and Luke, you know, who's a, who's a tremendous resource. He said, you, you should speak to Tim. And, you know, often in life, these things happen that way. You know, it, it's not because you applied for a course or you did a LinkedIn post. It is, it is a bit more sort of stranger than that sometimes. So I think, I think, one of the things I would have said to myself was, um, you know, keep, you know, def- definitely pursue that. I think the other thing is as well, I, I am naturally an entrepreneur. I, I do like risk. And I think being an entrepreneur has become quite a cool thing in the last few years. But it is also a nightmare to be an entrepreneur. It's a ni- <laughs> it, can, it, 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 it can be a nightmare for your parents. It can be a nightmare for your wife, your yep. kids. And I think I think what I probably would have said to my younger self was in invest some time in learning about, you know, I, I got into some personal development stuff in the last 10 years, but I, I wish I'd have got into it in my in my like 18 to 24 range. Um, and I was always in such a hurry, you know, whether I was 15, 20, 24, I was always in such a hurry. I thought I knew everything and I probably didn't invest in the kind of, you know, understanding the science, understanding the, the the risks of being an entrepreneur, and also when you get involved in a project like a you know that's your own company, it, it it's very rarely over in one year or two years or three years. It's usually many if if it survives, it's usually many more years than that. So it's like you don't need to rush so much. It's better to take a bit more time to plan it. Um, so yeah, and and I think as well, just just focus. You know, I've I've learned the hard way in a way that you, you're better to be a hundred percent into one project and and live and breathe it um, than yeah. You know, I've had a few periods of my life where I've had a couple of things on, and it it it's it's just not it's just not smart because it's not fair on the people that have backed you, and it's not fair ultimately it's not fair on yourself because it, it's it's very hard to spin a few plates without them failing so um yeah that's interesting insight yeah i think some very sage advice there so i want to draw to a close uh and and, uh two final questions so first off pretty standard one like what's next for you guys in 2021 you gave us a little bit of an insight and then like this is a free plug where can people find you you know where can they go to learn more about ooh so we um the easy bit first uh, we we you can email me sam at oo.com just five o's um or you can you know obviously there's a there's a website brands can go in there and register any interest creators can go onto the website and apply super simple process to apply to be a creator um or just just literally email me and we'll we'll figure it out in terms of this year we are um we're launching in the next month as i say into a few different categories we um, we're we're launching into the U.S. later this year, which will be Los Angeles. It will be initially probably one or two categories like beauty and sneakers. So the the U.S. we're definitely going to do on our own, and then we're just about to um, secure a partnership in Brazil 
where a very large e-commerce company is going to is going to use our platform. We're going to do it as a, a sort of a JV, and we'll we'll probably do that in a few markets. Um, we're we're privately funded right now, but we're actually um, going to be listing on the uh, Toronto Venture Exchange, which is so we're taking the company public very very early, which is some, probably something similar to um, um, the, the aim in the UK. But you, you'll know from Australia, sometimes companies in tech, they list quite early. Um, it's not really done in the UK, but um, we, we're doing that in the next 60 days. We're, we're going to become a public company, which just means basically we can access capital um, and we can um, we can keep control. This is kind of the main two benefits. And I think the narrative around this whole um, video commerce space is we want to be the first outside of China to do it. Um, and really own that narrative into the investor community. So, um, so that's probably the biggest thing going on th this year is is going public and just growing and uh, trying to avoid as many pitfalls as possible. <laughs> Again, sage advice, mate. That was so good, Sam. Thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks, man. There you go. Massive thank you to Sam for joining me. Go check out oo at oo.com. That's five O's.com. Before I go, a quick word for my sponsor, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. As always, if you like the episode, please subscribe, download and tell your mates at the Bowls Club to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time. Take a